Hello, welcome back. We have another episode of Forerunners.app podcast. I'm Alice. And I'm Lucy. And we have some quickfire questions to boot this one up. I'm going to start first because okay. I feel like um, these are pretty good. I'm just going to put it out there. All right, quickfire questions. Just as like a little bit of a warm up. Question number one, Liz. How many leather miniskirts do you actually own? <laughs> oh, this is a um, this is a tough question. I'm going to say, I'm going to say five. Okay. And actually, does it cl- does pleather count? Pleather definitely counts. Okay, I have six. I feel like pleather is just the norm now, to be perfectly honest. They call it vegan leather. Vegan leather, yeah, I'm into it. Sustainable. Okay. And how many of those... cheap and nasty. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It gets a bit clammy and sweaty when you're wearing it. Yeah. Oh, it definitely does. They sort of fall apart a little bit as well. I have this like, um, this leather one that, oh, it's pleather, sorry. And it's got like a fringe, like fringe. Pleather fringing. Do you know what I mean? It's coming. yeah. And bit by bit, they're gradually disintegrating and falling off. (laughs) So I'm just going to be left with the lining shortly. Amazing. (laughs) Okay. That's painting the picture. How many of these uh, pleather skirts have you actually altered yourself physically? One and a half. What? <laughs> the half didn't make it through. Oh, no. <laughs> it's sitting in the laundry. <laughs> oh, Yeah, dude. that one didn't make it through. It's really good though, but if anyone needs one um, and is roughly about a size 10, um, mm. it's still in good condition. Well, is it though? <laughs> I feel like it's literally in Hit a coffin. Hit me up and I would love to like give it to a, somebody who would actually appreciate it. But um, actually, I'm wearing one right now. It's quite good. Um, it's... It needs probably a little bit of extra love because I use the um, the kitchen scissors to kind of just, just trim it a little bit. Mm. And when I say trim it, it went from being like below, what do you call it, like a midi length mm. to now like a mini length. But also it's just kind of awkward and a little bit jagged. And um, it's also a Scanlon Theodore um, skirt. So I feel like I probably shouldn't have done it. No. So it, It's called butchery. It's called <laughs> – okay. But, yeah, so if anyone also knows how to um, – resurrect this i'm thinking maybe like what are those called guillotine Mm. i think i just need a guillotine i reckon it's maybe a little late for that but uh we digress question number two the current song you're singing at the top of your lungs in your car which i know you do every single day car singing is your thing oh it changes because i've got the like the taylor swift eras tour uh playlist on there so i'm just going through the whole lot which is literally like three and a half hours of music right I think that one of my favourite is either Bejeweled or um, Blank Space. I feel like you can't go past Blank Space. It's pretty good. There's a lot of there's a lot of emotion and a lot of feelings in there. And just for all the listeners, I feel like this is the point to say that you are actually what I would consider a lyrical genius. So I genuinely have pretty pretty much solid confidence that if you hear a song probably two to three times, you're at least going to know all of the chorus and at least some of the phrases. Do we call them phrases? Uh, versus? Versus? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is one of your superpowers and I feel like you probably can do blank space from start to finish without any glitches. Yeah, I think that's probably like where you and I have maybe one of our most like disagreements. Mm. When we go on um, long car trips, not disagreements, but like <clears throat> when we go on long car trips, I think you like to just sort of sit in silence, either listening to a podcast or listening to music and just kind of like relaxing to it. Whereas I'm like, this is a karaoke session, <laughs> a 40 minute opportunity to, <laughs> to know every word to every song and yell it out of the top of your lungs and knowing you get to the location feeling absolutely cooked by that whole experience <laughs> I'm so can, can confirm <laughs> oh my god no it's stressful all right next question true or false did you or did you not eat someone else's half-eaten banana 
at a current race at the Mori plant meet. Oh, that was really, that was actually mortifying. Mm. Also, I didn't even want to eat it. It was just sitting there and I was just like, well, better eat it. So, okay, so <laughs> let's go back to the start. Basically, at the Mori plant meet, we're, like, when we're, like the athletes that were competing were gifted a chemist warehouse bag that had like shampoo, conditioner, You face love masks. a gift bag. I love a gift bag, like a, a razor, all these kind of cool stuff. Anyway, prior to the race, I'd like half eaten a banana and I um, just like put it in my chemist warehouse bag. And then at the end of the race, I like came back to like where my belongings were, saw this like half eaten banana. And I was like, don't really want it, but better not waste it. So I just like picked it up, continued to eat it. I did notice that there was a Red Bull also in my chemist warehouse bag. And I was like, ah, someone just put it there, whatever. And then anyway, this um, German guy who I'd met <laughs> the day before, were, like we had this conversation and he was like, yeah, that's my Red Bull. And I was like, oh, cool. Just going to keep eating this banana. Anyway, 10 minutes later, he comes walking over to me. I thought he was bringing my, my chemist warehouse bag over to me. Turns out, uh, just as I reached to grab it out of his hand, he was like, what? This is mine. And I was like, no, but isn't that mine? That's like the banana that I was eating, right? And he was like, yeah, like I watched you eat that banana, but that banana is mine. So he had somehow like, oh, also like half eaten a banana, put it in his chemist warehouse bag, did his race. And so we left our bags in the same position, but I didn't realize that you had actually come and taken my... What, cleaned up after you? No, <laughs> never. Just for a change. <laughs> and um, yeah, and so I half ate his banana. But the worst thing was that he just like sat there and watched, watched me eat, eat it. it. And he didn't say anything. And there's something about a banana as well. <laughs> you know, like just watching someone else eat your banana, it feels not okay. <laughs> why didn't he say anything? Oh, no, why didn't he That's say anything? It's so full respect, because I, I wouldn't have been able to contain myself. I would have actually mentioned it. But also, um, I think he was staying at our house, wasn't he? So I feel like maybe he was just being extra polite. He hadn't stayed at our house. I think he was staying. At, he did stay one night at our house, like a few days later. But true, I, true. I only met him once for like an hour um, yeah. prior to that. So yeah, I, <laughs> that was really that was a bit awkward. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't actually believe him. I was like, it's definitely my bag, like because I think I put my half-eaten banana in there. I'm pretty sure I put other stuff in there. Couldn't actually see it in there, but I was like, mm. I was sure that he'd made a mistake, and that was definitely my bag. Next minute, got to the car. Sure enough, Alice has my bag. It's like that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that was that was not great form. But uh, moving on, we have World Cross Trials coming up. All right, you've got two options for World Cross Trials. In my opinion, of this hypothetical scene, you're approaching what is a really high barrier. Do you a barrel roll James Bond style underneath the barrier, or do you actually physically climb it and go over it because it's too high to steeple? Which would you choose? Okay, I was wondering about barriers is like a mental barrier or an actual physical <laughs> one because I'm sure there's going to be plenty of men mental barriers in a 10k cross-country race um I just don't see that situation happening no no hear me out just like just you're in there you're in the moment you've got this high like it's almost like an a-frame situation sort of that mid-length it's sort of height that you kind of you could go over or under what are you going to do yeah I think you have to go over I think that's actually probably really a I, that what, rule I mean like if you're in a steeplechase race you can't go underneath it why like, not do you reckon there's any rules about that have, I would definitely go under no I'm quite I'm quite sure I'm not like, I'm quite sure, actually. It's like in a hurdle race. I like, reckon we should Google imagine it. Imagine if someone just, like, went underneath all the hurdles. It's like, no, you actually have to clear them. I hey, think that's a thing. We know quite a few really decent steeplechasers. I am going to ask them you straight after this. You can't go underneath the I reckon steeple. you could. I reckon there's, that's actually a grey area. Anyway. I don't think it is. I right. don't think it is. That's fine. We'll get, we'll get back to everyone because I'm sure you're all waiting with bated breath to know what, what the actual rules are there. Last <laughs> question. How many days in a row recently have you eaten sushi consecutively? Oh, this is actually embarrassing. I'm going to say it's more than three weeks. 
Yeah. At some point, whether it's like a meal, as in dinner, lunch, snack, breakfast. There's mm. yeah, it's been it's been like every I would say every day for over three weeks now. And which location for all the Melburnians here would you say is your best sushi location? I really like Taiko Sushi, which is on um, Turek Road. However, you came home last night with sushi from somewhere in Richmond. Where was that? That was um, re- I think it was called Ahi Sushi. That was very good. Mm. I think that was really good. To be honest, I think the rice was really good with that. I like the insides of the one on Turek Road, but mm. I also like the quality of the rice. It also just depends how hungry you are as well. So I feel like it's not a really controlled experiment because it can just completely depend on your mood. That is true. I mm. was absolutely starving last night. So yeah. That would definitely have had something to do with it. All right. First, um, all right. First question for you, Al. All right. Shoot. This doesn't seem very interesting in comparison, but maybe you can give us an interesting answer. Um, what is your favorite beverage currently? I'm just going to leave that really open and broad. I'm going through this really awful phase of instant coffee. And what I mean by instant coffee is just like a specific blend of Aldi, Nescafe, also with two different kinds of milk, regular milk with a bit of soy milk as like a concoction. And I know that sounds horrific, but that's what I've been doing probably twice a day. That is, that, I, I'm actually speechless. Wait, wait. Having said that, we have recently um, popped open a bottle of um, Moe Chandon, which is obviously a very rare occasion. And that is probably my favourite beverage in the entire world, always, forever, until I die. But I'm going to be real and say that the coffee situation is dire and it's real and that's what I'm doing. Okay. And um, I guess like a uh, follow-up from that question, now that you bring up the Moe. <laughs> I love that you got a Moe. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what is it called? Moe. Moe. Sorry. Yes. I should have put my accent on. Um, how long can you leave it unopened in the fridge for? Oh, no. That's until every single drop is finished. You do not. You're not, so essentially I haven't managed to get through the entire bottle of champagne myself because I've just been chipping away at it. And so it's now flat, but I refuse to throw it out. So now it's kind of like drinking flat champagne, which is kind of like white wine and I don't mind it. And I will, yeah, I stand firm. I will never waste a drop of Moe. Okay. Yeah. I just think it's probably done also because it's just taking up a lot of space in our like fridge shelf and also that, <laughs> that shelf is nearly broken. Don't you dare. <laughs> Do not dare get rid of that champagne. Okay. Um, and okay. True or false. Um, you have showered for the last three days from a, sorry, let me rephrase that. For the last three days, you've used a thermos to shower. That would be true. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. But also... I have actually got a new system. So I feel like this sounds very unhygienic, etc. I have been bay swimming, which obviously is quite gross in the sense that Melbourne Bay is a bit manky. However, I've got this enormous thermos full of warm water that I use to pour all over me to wash away all of like the sins of the bay. And I also actually take a little bit of conditioner, which I then put in my hair afterwards so I don't end up with dreadlocks. So it kind of makes me smell like conditioner as a whole. And then I've sort of done some sort of clean. So you smell work. okay. And then what about like <laughs> soap? No soap? You don't soap up yourself on the pier after the... Well, no, um... because I don't want to kill any fish. <laughs> I, I, no, I genuinely have thought about it. But I know from Byron Bay, they're really strict about there's no soaps or any sort of product whatsoever in the outdoor showers, which makes sense because I don't want to kill any fish. Yep. Therefore, also... 
just going back a few years when I was a child and talking about soaps and fish, <clears throat> when I was on school camp, um, a family member, they're going to remain anonymous because um, they're still really upset about it. I really want to know who. Yeah, yeah, I will tell you later. But I had this big fish tank, two goldfish, standard setup, and I was, I was in charge of feeding them except for I was on school camp. So someone else was put in charge of feeding them. But then they decided that they would actually go one step further than feeding them and actually start to decorate the internal component of the fish tank because it looked a bit barren. Like it had like those stones, it might have had a rock and it was just fish. And this person was like, you know what, we can do better. So therefore, they went into the bathroom and they found all those, you know, those tiny little miniature bath bombs that are in the shape of like seahorses, starfish, crabs. Yes, and they've got like like oils on the inside. Yes. Yes. From that like body so shop. Good. So good. And they dissolve really quickly. So it's like you can just like whack one in, dissolve, it's nice, whatever. And they're like, I know, we'll decorate this whole tank with these. And of course, I come back from school camp and this person was devastated. They didn't realise that they were full of bath oils. My poor fish didn't last because they were, I don't know what, what, what you'd call it, I guess they were... Contaminated. Contaminated, yeah. <laughs> Poisoned. Oh, that's, that's really like burnt into my mind as a child, so now for, therefore I would always be cautious of the fish. Yeah, you know? so we'll call that um, looking after the environment, How's shall we? With our pleather and our not using soaps, <laughs> we actually should join the UN, Liz. How much it. water have you saved too from not showering? Oh my God, I know. Absolutely saving the planet here. Yeah. It's actually um, quite phenomenal, really. Um, okay, so now we're at the beach. Um, if you're at the beach, would you prefer like thirty, uh, like a 30-degree day and like real windy or would you prefer a 20-degree day and like not windy? 100% 20-degree, no wind. I hate wind so much. Yeah. A couple of reasons. I hate wind associated with running because you always end up just being angry, running slowly, and it just feels like a fight. Not that you're going to be running necessarily on the beach, but I had that association with wind that I just loathe. Also, the sand, that whole exfoliation oh, experience yeah. was awful. Also, your towel doesn't sit down, your pages of your book turn also, I find it gets a little bit allergic in terms of like all of the different pollens and stuff come out with the wind and then I get hay fever. Oh, so many allergies. <laughs> so many allergies. I'm an allergy person. Yeah, fair enough. Also, I feel like wind just makes you angry. It just it makes me really grumpy. Actually, mum used to say, she was a kindergarten teacher for like 40 years. She used to say, windy days, you probably know this from your teaching, kids go wild. It's like yeah. they actually let loose. And so it was a windy day and she'd be like, oh no, this is going to be a day. And she'd have to just like... Put a helmet on, get out there, 24 four-year-olds and just try and contain and just damage control. That is absolutely, that's totally accurate. I don't know what it is, but same thing, like all through like primary school age, they're just absolutely wild. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I actually couldn't think of a more terrifying scenario. Yeah, it actually is, especially in the playground. Um, all right. What is your go-to breakfast at the moment? I know that you're a little bit of a creature of habit. Oh my and God, I'm always really embarrassing. I'm quite impressed by this, that you don't get sick of it. No, Talk I us through it. it. Okay, okay. So my go-to breakfast, I am so boring when it comes to food. I am the most boring person. And so especially with breakfast. Oh, just just like ritual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just take all of the thinking out of it. And I always do it the night before because um, that's been my habit as a kid, actually. We always used to do that. And then I've fallen back into that habit just recently. And essentially what I'm doing is I'm soaking porridge um, overnight and then I add granola to it the next day with milk and fruit. So therefore you get like this nice, it's almost like a parfait situation because you get this nice like stodgy porridge. Then you get like the crunchy granola. You've got your milk and then your berries. And it's just slash nectarines. Um, um, it's really and, nice. And can you just run me through? I just, I saw something last night. Mm. Um, what was with the yogurt situation? There was just like a smearing of yogurt that was like perfectly. Oh yeah. See, I saw this thing on, I think it was TikTok or Instagram. I think it might've been TikTok and then reposted on Instagram. Anyway, so this person made this thing called Wheat Bix 
parfait. Protein wheat pigs parfait. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do – I'm going to kind of do my version of that. Um which meant that you put like your wheat bix with protein powder, you soak them overnight and then you put a layer of yogurt and then you put a layer of berries and then I think you do a layer of something else. To be honest, I actually didn't concentrate enough, but I saw the layering and I'm like, I'm into it. So I went to do the same thing, but we'd actually run out of yogurt. So we had like basically maybe two tablespoons of yogurt. So I did like my porridge because I didn't have wheat bix. I also didn't use protein powder. So I put the yogurt on top and then realised that there was literally like belly any yogurt so it ended up just being basically like butter on bread on the top of the <laughs> but how did it go was it i'm intrigued by the end result was it good uh i actually don't remember yeah. i think it was fine yeah okay okay because it was like quite a process i was watching you for quite some time spreading oh, it across the job kitchen i like to I was just really have intrigued. privacy when i'm like we're doing weird shit it reminded me of um choc ripple cake choc ripple whatever that is oh that's so you good. know when you smear the cream kind mm. of on top it was and like then that. you dye it blue and it looks awful no? Uh, no. My dad used to always – that was his speciality is making a chocolate ripple like Wait, caterpillar. And you dye the cream blue. And okay. then I don't know why that was. That was always the speciality. But no one actually wants to eat blue food. They've actually, there's actually genuine research <laughs> on blue foods. They are unpalatable <laughs> aesthetically so people eat less of them. But dad was obsessed with this blue yeah, dye. Now that you mention it, I don't think I – I can't think of a blue fruit other than blueberries. No one wants it. And even so much as I know that I listened to this um, podcast once about even what you serve your food on. So blue plates, people are less likely to finish what's on the plate if the plate itself is blue. Interesting. You're going to have to fact check everything I say, obviously, because it's probably from some sort of, um, I don't know, Twitter, Insta, (laughs) TikTok. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. We're definitely going to research that. Okay. Last thing is, okay, the last thing you do on your phone before you go to bed. Uh, put it on, do not disturb, leave me alone, it's really, everybody. That's really underwhelming. But when, no, when you're okay. actually on that. When I'm actually, when my, my last use of thing to do is probably. And, and also just to follow up to that question, is it something that like, do you do it to help you sleep or do you do it to just like relax at the end of the day or do you do it to sort of like what's. I have to have zero DMs in my Instagram DM box. I have to have all of them read and responded to before I can sleep. This popularity. No. <laughs> no. I just mean that. I just spend the hour before I go to bed. Uh, just no. wanting to draw my DMs. No, it takes me a couple of minutes. I just, <laughs> I just love having all of my inbox cleared in my emails, my text messages, Instagram, any form of correspondence. I like it attended to before I go to sleep because I hate waking up to have like a million messages that I kind of backlog. I just like to have it done. Okay. And I, yeah, I quite enjoy it to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd hate to wake up to a million messages. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. There's a lot of correspondence that happens in my end. And, and a lot of it's it, coming it. from nah, my I end. No, and you're very good at that kind of stuff too. So it's good. <laughs> well done. It's better than my evening hobby of scrolling through Marketplace. Yeah, Sends me to sleep every night. I love it. It's actually infuriating. Watching you scroll through Marketplace is my least enjoyed thing <laughs> about what you do. I actually, because it's so erratic and there doesn't seem to be any structure to the way that you're even scrolling, that me watching it makes me furious. For some reason, I've never mentioned that until now. It's actually, um, yeah, it's the truth. Sometimes you never know what you need until it pops up in your marketplace feed. Oh, my God. All right, we will charge on. Those quick fire questions have blown out incredibly, but they always do. It's and totally I don't mind worth it. it. Yeah. Got some really, really crucial content in there. Um, we've had a few really cool 
um, aspects and events happen over the last little while. It has been a little while between pods. I think the main one that we should probably like start off with was the um, for runners up launch. Woohoo! So excited about that. So, Actually, I'm still excited about that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Like, what was the process behind? I guess like finally like launching it. It's obviously been um, <clears throat> months and months and like years, in fact, in like getting the product ready to be ready to be launched and. I guess the last couple of months have been mainly fine-tuning it. So tell us a little bit about those, that process. Yeah, it is actually um, quite unusual because you've got this product that you've been working on, working on, working on, and you've been very much a part of that journey. And then it is out in the ether, right? It gets accepted by the iOS store. It gets accepted by the Google Play store. And then you're like, cool, the app's there. It's doing its thing. But actually, that was months and months and months and months ago, and to be honest, I wasn't in a frame of mind where I could actually even talk about it or even promote it because I was still quite traumatized from the whole experience. It's been such a such a huge journey and I just needed a moment, A, to catch my breath and B, I wanted to make sure everything was A, aesthetically really, really on point, B, functionality even more importantly, was well oiled and C, that I had a little bit of space to actually have the energy to show people. And have a proper plan as well. Yeah, and, I've, and obviously I've never done this before. So I'm so far out of my depth when it comes to this sort of uh, tech space, launching, etc. Like I'm very much comfortable on my mat and in a physio space, but this is this is definitely um, a step in the um, foreign area. Yeah, for sure. And it's a tough thing as well because like once the app is actually like released, and like you said, it was actually months ago that you finally saw the app for the first time. And it's great. There's so many little intricacies into it that the coders had to do um, to make it sort of functional to exactly what you need. But even still, when they um, showed it to you for the first time, you're like, oh, this is this is not quite it. No. And so there's lots of different things that you've had to be working on over the past little bit to make sure that it is exactly what you want and it is like enhancing your user's experience. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're absolutely right. When I did see it for the first time, essentially what we did then was strip the entire thing and basically recreated the whole front end. Literally from the top left icon. All the way down. <laughs> Sifted through oh my everything. God. So painful, but also so worth it because I'm actually really proud of it. I think you're really proud of it. I think it does look really good. And literally every couple of days we're making improvements and we've got this massive list. And this is the thing because when you have that um, huge uh, process. There's so many things you want to change straight away and improve, but then you've got to get this triage system happening where it's like, okay, is this a crucial thing, Alice, or is this like just a little zhuzh that probably is okay? Um, and it's really cool to look at the process and go, all right, this is the triage system. We're going to put the crucials to the top, the less crucial to the bottom. And um, it's, yeah, it's been really, really well accepted. And um, that's the main thing. And hopefully, you know, the users are finding that it is an enhanced experience. And I think people just love earning points and yeah. that side of it. So tell us a little bit about that. Like what was the difference? Like what was, um, I mean, not not what, why did you make an app? But like, what is the difference now? Like what can the app do that the web platform couldn't do before? Yeah, and to be honest, it's amazing how much in hindsight just a web space can't do that an app can do because you sort of think, oh, is it worth investing in this um, this tech journey? And then you actually look back and you're like, oh, actually, this is this is quite different. So the one major aspect is the individualization that people can program into their experience. So for example, you could be a hobby runner that wants to run a couple of park runs, or you could be an elite runner aiming for Paris, and you can plug in your goals 
your specifications, what you want to get out of it, what you need to improve specific injuries, and it will tailor a program for you. And that was a huge process to actually get the algorithm working in a way that actually shows the functionality of what each user wants. And also like the time as well. Like some people don't have that much time. Um, and, you know, there are plenty of classes that range from like five minutes sort of pre-run activations to 45, 50 minute like lengthy classes. And um, it's absolutely something for everybody. It's true. And even though, you know, sometimes a little onboarding situation as you are loading the app is a bit annoying because you're like, there's like six questions that I've got to get through, but they actually work. So if you do get the app, if you do do the onboarding, make sure you actually do them uh, correctly because it will give you a result and an outcome that's really, really nice user experience. And the other thing that uh, we've noticed that people love too is the fact that you earn points, you earn awards, and it really has that nice you know, consistency that runners love. I mean, runners are so dedicated. They are really goal-orientated, high-achieving people and to sort of earn points and watch that consistency and actually close your rings as you sort of achieve your goals is um, is so wonderful. And I feel like I didn't appreciate that about runners enough until this this aspect has been introduced. And they're, they're two key factors. Um, the other situation is the communication. So being able to sort of save your classes, comment on your classes, keep them for later um, and curate your own sort of playlist and systematic program yourself out of preference is also something that you couldn't do in a website platform. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely promotes that consistency as well and keeps you accountable for doing your regular classes too. Yeah. Look, I'm obviously a very, very biased fan, but you should all check it out. I think I think you love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think it's convenient. Okay, I love it too. Yeah. The rose coloured glasses. Um, and then moving on from the app, you've had some pretty incredible racing experiences uh, recently. And also, can we just take a moment to appreciate the different distances and also the different terrains, the different, like everything about it. So from the Victorian Milers champion race, which you whipped out, to the recent Carmen's Road Fun Run, which you also won, to the Park Run record, which you did uh, Westside. Mm-hmm. Also the Maury Plant Meet, which was probably the biggest 5K meet we've had in Australia for years, uh, which you towed the line with some of the, the best Best in the Australia, certainly, and even internationally, there's some internationals there as well. You've got cross-country trials coming up. I mean, that scope of difference is huge. Uh, I don't even know where to start with that. Can you give us your... Can <laughs> how you do you train for it all? How, how do you even... like? To be honest, like it's obviously phenomenal, and I'm on the sidelines just thinking you're incredible, but also it's probably nice for you to, A, like, appreciate that, but also, B, what was your favourite one of all of them? Well, first of all, I don't really appreciate it yet because I just want to do more and be yeah, better. Yeah. <laughs> so, Such a runner. Such a runner. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that like probably my favorite one, I actually, I do love the road races and um, I love the park run because that was really fun. A whole bunch of my training partners um, came along as well and we all did the park run together and everyone ran really well. I had a guy, um, like one of my training partners, Alex, came and paced me for, for the first couple of K. And um, another one of my training partners was sort of like helping me along like the whole way and um, managed to shake him in the last like 1500 meters. So that was good. Um, <laughs> and can we just appreciate that was a 1539 5k on on a road sort of park run race. So yep. not, not a track, not in spikes on a road race like that is very fast yeah no it was good it was good and um and that's why I, I probably had a bit of a disappointing run at Mori Plant meet last week because you know you just expect that on 5k on the track is going to be much faster and much easier but that's not always the case and like there are so many different elements into it and I think um 
we we were we started out at about three minutes per k in this five k this five thousand meter track race last week, and it's just a little bit quicker. Whereas for for example, like when I was doing the park run, I was quite aware of my splits, and so I made sure to start at about like three. I think I started at like three oh eights per k and just kind of like maintained that, and then picked it up a bit at the end. And that's kind of running three oh eight per k versus running three minutes per k. It doesn't sound like much, but it's pretty significant. That's significant, yeah. Yeah, it's just a, d- a different sort of feel, and so I think that for me, I basically I went out first three k. Ran just over nine minutes, felt okay, and then shortly the wheels kind of came off a little bit. But and then- full respect to that list because you were right up there in the front pack and you're like, you, ha- you just held on, held on, held on, held on, and it was so inspiring to watch. And the fact that you didn't make it through to the five holding three-minute pace – you still got to three looking very, very fresh. Yeah, I mean, you still get training benefits from it as well, which is good. But it is it is interesting and it's worth like sort of, you know, comparing the two, like uh, like a, a road 5K versus a track 5K because I, rem- I distinctly re- remember having about 1,800 metres to go in that park run and just being like, all right, this is it. This is the final sort of like the final kick down essentially. You've only got a few minutes left. Um, versus being on the track and just thinking, oh my gosh, I got four laps oh, to go, that's and it's so like different. It's only a mile. It's actually like it's not far, but somehow, like by mm. having to do four laps, it feels like a lot, and you almost feel like you have to still be running within yourself and sort of pacing yourself. But whereas on the road, you almost see the finish line. Yeah, it's totally that's different. Actually, feel. Yeah, that's quite psychological, isn't it? Too. Oh, for sure. And I feel like everyone, like in my mind, I, I feel like there'd be no one that'd be like four laps feels easier than fifteen hundred meters straight or a mile straight. That's actually um, a really good point. Also, too, I feel like in terms of the camaraderie, you respond really well to a really fun, nurturing environment too. And I feel like your training partners in that park run was probably like a really fun time. Like I feel like you genuinely enjoyed that experience as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely fun. Yeah, it, it is funny because it's like we just sort of turned up to a park run. We knew it was going to be hard. I knew that I was going for the record and um, we knew that it was going to be, you know, it was going to be a tough day, but you know, having your friends there, it's like it's really special. And I mean, it's the same thing at Mori Plant. I feel like there's plenty of people there in the crowd and everything. So I mean, that's no, <laughs> that's no excuse for me. I think I just like went out too hard, blew up, um, the classic kind of thing. But it, yeah, it won't take much, and hopefully, I can sort of fine tune that for some upcoming races. But the next one is going to be a 10k cross country race. So yeah, totally different again. And 10K, tell us about the 10K cross-country race. Obviously, we're not going to have to go under or over barriers. That was just my hypothetical from earlier. But 10K cross-country, it's in Canberra. Apparently, it's got really nice, beautiful, soft grass. It's a man-made Cross-country horse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's quite like you would wear spikes. Um, yeah, it's quite a nice course. It's it's deceptively hilly is what I would explain it, it. Five laps of 2K? Is that what it is? I don't actually know. No, I would say I think there's like 3K laps. I think it's mm-hmm. maybe like a 1K, which is like pretty flat, and then there's like three 3K laps. And in the 3K laps, there's this gnarly hill that is like oh. – it's really, really steep. And that's in, um, an added – addition to the um to to the course that wasn't originally there I think just to make it a bit more challenging but it's deceptively hard I think because you can't really go too hard like I don't know because it feels like a golf course it sort of feels like rolling hills but it's quite hard from memory so um yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it though and I think that like a lot of the training that I've been doing recently is much shorter and faster than I've had um in the past so which has been a lot like really helpful for I guess like the mile races and the 5k on the track but um 
doing uh, but I, I still think that like doing the that that faster stuff does help like with your cadence especially over the cross country as well too yeah especially uphill yeah like you just need strength and speed power. yeah for sure but I guess like I, my, my training will still be a variety of everything I think at the moment I'm running about 120k a week unless I've got like a race or something in that week um I'm sort of holding that decent mileage but just two harder sessions a week so like one will be on the track and that'll be sort of shorter and faster and then one will be like a longer tempo kind of effort usually like broken up occasionally just um a continuous tempo but trying to sort of cover all bases so that you're sort of prepared for anything and to be honest I think when you're trying to be your best like you kind of just need to get fit and then once you're mm. super fit you can do every distance yeah and that's probably cool because I feel like you're not someone to pigeonhole yourself into one scenario and not, not only in racing but also in life. I feel like that variation probably for you keeps it really fresh and fun. And I like, you know, I'm, I'm the complete opposite. I love the same. I love consistency and I love turning up and being really predictable, whereas you don't thrive in that scenario. So I feel like whatever you're doing right now seems to really suit you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Like living together, we are very different like that. You just like the same thing day in, day out. Oh my God, I'm such a little old grandma. I am. Yeah, creature of habit. Whereas I would like, I can do that for a period of time. And then it's like, I look forward, you know, like I can sort of knuckle down and have that consistency and, you know, hold those, like I said, 120K weeks. But then it's like, there's a race coming up. And then I like, I like the taper and I like the focus on the race. And then you sort of pull back and then you restart and you go again. Um, I really like the periodization of training for that. Um, there has been plenty of races recently. So sometimes it's easy to get caught up in it and just wanting to do everything because I do love that aspect of it. But even if your, your your mind is ready to go, you've got to respect that your body does need rest and your body does need um, time to recover and absorb the, the training and the racing that you're doing too. Yeah, I don't know how you race so much. I know I'm, I'm not a racer by nature, but when I do race, I need like a good solid two weeks of very, very low anything, mainly because I've run so far outside my ability that I actually physically am so sore to yeah, start off with. Yeah, you can push yourself to another level. <laughs> no, but also like I, but that's actually not even like necessarily a good thing, obviously, because then you just punish it yourself for a, but also mentally to then be able to back it up and then go the next week or even two weeks after is actually quite phenomenal. So you actually, you can't race unless you love it. I actually genuinely think. Yeah. yeah. You can't race. You can't race well unless you're like 100% there mentally, because even if you're not, if, if someone, if, if, you, if you've got a coach that chooses your races or tells you what to do to race and your heart's not in it fully, you can't be your best. Like you, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's got to come from internally. It's got to come from within. Um, but in saying that as well, I think it's really important to listen to your own body too, because, you know, I have all these intentions of doing all of these races and, and to be quite honest, like I did the Mori plant 5,000 on last Thursday, and then I followed it up with a a 10 K fun run, which sort of started as a tempo, but then wound up in the second half. And, um, yeah, this week I've been like just super tired. 33, 29, 10 K on the road after Mori plant. Let's just add, that's actually very, very impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. But like the first half just started off kind of quite comfortable and then like it was the second half that I actually ran probably just about as fast as I ran that 5k at Mori Plant but um so it wasn't intended to be a race was what I mean what I'm saying it's like it started off as like a bit of a tempo and so I didn't really think much of it but it's surprising how even just like that effort it's made this week um feel quite hard like my training feels hard and so I think it's really important in that situation to listen to your body pull back if you need to um go easier on the easier runs pull back the volume a little bit um and I think that's what makes it more sustainable yeah, it's actually, we can all learn a lot from that, to be honest, that, um, you know, keep going and plow through is not always the way. <laughs> Absolutely not. Not when it comes to training. 
A um, bit of a switch of tact here. You did get tickets to the Taylor Swift concert. You did that via Instagram, which is you're probably one of the only people that will whack up a story and then actually get that amazing result. So full credit to you for the hustle of getting a Taylor Swift ticket last minute. All right, we, before you oh, before oh, you oh, add oh, to oh. this, I can see that you're just going to absolutely roll well, it. I was actually going to say top three highlights of this whole concert experience because, to be honest, I have not heard. I think I've heard every single possible detail, but. I'll tell you more there's always more but actually now that you mentioned that probably like standing up on my feet for like four or five hours dancing to Taylor Swift that's probably what's got me so tired this week in addition to those two races now that you mention it that'll do it top three highlights also you're running late so you ran probably a mile in Doc Martens as well I do recall yeah that's true they're so comfy I I reckon you could definitely run in them to be honest I was a little bit late so I missed the first song and um like running towards the MCG and just hearing it and hearing the crowd there was something about that like that was just like it was just you know when you've just got that like excitement that you know that something really cool is about to happen do you reckon we could actually infiltrate the race organizers for your next 5k and see if we could get on the loudspeaker Taylor Swift like her top maybe eight best songs that you would choose just on repeat and see how that changes your actual pace Oh, it would work. I, I, I'm a sucker for that. I'll do <laughs> a little bit of music. Um, <laughs> I get all of the emotions. Actually, can we do that? Do you reckon that's actually possible? Just get the Taylor Swift playlist at the next race? Maybe. We'll find I out. I could just actually get my bike and like some sort of massive Yui, Yui boom. boom. <laughs> you, you do have a massive oh Yui God. boom. What a jerk. I can just picture myself actually doing that though. I have no shame. Yeah, you will. All right, let's let's set it let's, up and, oh and test it. Um, yeah, all of the emotions, I, I reckon. Yeah. Mm. Um, like, I don't even know where to start. Like, just, it was actually phenomenal. And um, I never actually found my seat the whole time. So I didn't actually get to sit down. Um, so my feet and legs were actually really tired at the yeah, end of it. you were just kind of prancing up and down the aisles. Yeah, I'm not really sure how. And I sort of, like, found this little spot, which I stayed for the most part, up on level four, which was, like, it was very cool because you could just see absolutely everything. And you can see the enormity of the of the event. Can we just say, like, imagine if everyone couldn't find their seat and was just rogue in the aisles. Can you, like, just, <laughs> can we just imagine if we had Lissy Chaos throughout the entire concert? Can oh, you imagine that? Would that? Be bad. that would be really bad. But, um, but anyway, and then after a while I was like, I'm just going to go down lower and just see, you know, what's going on down there. So I went down to level three, level two, somehow got down to level one in the ground level. And I went down there and I was like, you know what? It wasn't actually the vibe. The vibe was right at the top on level yeah. four because you could just see everything. That's like the football. I feel yeah. the same vibe. It's like, I don't want to be like seeing like him sweating and stuff like that up close. I want to see like the cool skills from above. Yeah, exactly. And I couldn't really see Taylor Swift. I mean, there's like, there's, um, there's you big know screen. the big screens and stuff. So yeah. you, you you're watching that. Couldn't you can really feel see her. her. You can exactly. just exactly yes. and the energy and it was um yeah the whole the whole crowd they're really like nice bunch of people. And even like two days later we went for a walk. You have to admit you came with me, Alice. I did. I was we, really grumpy about we, it. We I went, thought we're going for a walk, and the next minute we're at the MCG and we're listening to a whole lot of Taylor Swift songs with a whole lot of Swifties at the front. And then I'm starting to get emotional and like tears are like coming out of my eyes because I've got lots of feelings towards the memories of that night that I was actually inside the MCG. Yeah, but um. But two people had come out, like a mum had come out with her young daughter and because it's obviously, you know, it's too much. It's, it's like it's hours in there. Like mm. she's performing for three and a half hours plus there's a, um, an act before her. And um, so 
she came out with her daughter, gave the wristbands to two Swifty fans that were just hanging outside the MCG, and then they got to go in. And it's like, how fantastic is that? Oh. And there's thousands. Do you of- that was prearranged? No, <gasps> no, she what? No, it was just luck. So oh, like, she oh came God. out, and she was like, and they asked her, and yeah, it was oh, a transaction that's like that. So sweet. It's so sweet. But the best thing was that there's thousands of Swifty fans out there, right? And everyone was cheering for these two people that yeah. got to go in. There's no, you know, they're not jealous. They're not trying to like, you know, they're not. They're just like, we're stoked for you two. Yeah, everyone Get in there and enjoy it. I've got goosebumps. Yeah. See, that's like the absolutely amazing, I guess, top tier approach. If you know when you like get a parking ticket, right? And you're leaving the supermarket, but you've got an all dayer and someone's coming in and you give them that ticket. Exactly. But this is obviously like 1,000 times better. But it just seems like all her fans are like that. Like they're just really fantastic people and really kind and loving. And they have these these bracelets. So you're supposed to make um, all these like, bracelets that have like names and oh, stuff on yeah, them. Oh, yeah, the friendship bands. Everyone's friendship got like, bands. they're like right up people's armpits. Exactly. And so you, and, and they just like uh, exchange them to one another. So like you would leave a concert filled with. Yeah, so my nieces were making, so up in Byron Bay and they were all making, making these friendship bracelets and I was like, cool, this is literally what we used to do as kids back in like the late 90s is like make friendship bracelets because we didn't have iPads essentially. Whereas they weren't using the iPads, they were making these friendship bracelets and I was like, Jane, are the kids okay? Like what are they doing craft? Like they mm-hmm. don't, and she's like, no, 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 this is like a swifty activity and i was like oh i didn't actually ask any more questions i was just like that's probably enough it's a swifty thing to do they're doing it they actually made me one and then they took it back because they needed it um (laughs) and i'm like you don't need it you didn't appreciate it enough i didn't appreciate it i think it had um reputation on written on it um which i thought was kind of cool and a bit badass but apparently they needed that reputation band to swap with someone else or something anyway i felt kind of offended that they gave it to me and gave it back but Anyway. Nah, fair enough. But yeah, that, that's that's like the whole vibe. I think mm. like Swifty fans, okay, we're not going to talk about Swifty for that much longer, but um, but I'll just, I will just say one more thing is that like the fans are like next level. So they actually dissect because all her lyrics are quite meaningful, mm. I think, compared to, I don't know, I don't really know what Beyonce's lyrics are, Rihanna. Like, you know, Ooh, it's all just like, now. it's just like <laughs> umbrella, Ella, Ella. No, it's got, no, there's depth there. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll take your word for it. But also like Swifty's lyrics in all the songs, they're like really meaningful. And for some reason, maybe they're not more meaningful, but all her fans, they somehow, they just, they get together and they dissect the lyrics. Yeah, there's full podcasts on the analytics. Yeah, I've Googled some of the lyrics and there's like proper like, Mm. um, what what do you call it? Like threads, you know, when people like interact with each other on the internet. Oh, like Reddit or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you call that? Uh, it's like I always think of it as the help chat because I'm always like, this is broken. <laughs> what does everyone else do? Why is it my do not disturb working? That sort of a thing. I don't know. Just a help chat. There's a word for it. It's not called a blog, but it's a it's a chat anyway. And mm. people like – Forum, maybe? Forum, that's forum. the word. Yeah. Yeah, and people just talk about it like about all the different – like there's – yeah, it's a lot. It's a thing. And so that's where it all comes from. And so the friendship bands are from um, – literally there's one line in one of her songs that says, you know, be a good friend, switch your – friendship bracelets and so they're like all right we're gonna do it she could literally say anything she could be like okay guys we're all gonna start wearing pillowcases and that's the fashion everyone would do it like literally everyone would be like no worries don't question it get a pillowcase cut some arms cut a neck hole done i'll do it you definitely would do it i would definitely do it um it's actually phenomenal and also (laughs) i might just do it anyway it sounds pretty good so in the running scheme of things taylor swift is an athlete i'm gonna i'm just gonna say it out there she is actually what i would call a professional athlete in the sense that I don't know how much physical energy she would expend, but I'm going to say it'd be close to a marathon. I know for example. Um, oh, I feel like it'd be more. Do you because, know what? Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's actually like high energy stuff. It's not just like that continuous 
um, Same momentum. Pace. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. like I, to be honest, even in my like super comfy docks, I was like my feet hurt so much. She's wearing high heels the whole time. She's like being sort of dramatic in her movements. She's dancing fast. And even intellectual capacity of yeah. like all the song lyrics, I, projecting of what like all of that. I do know they actually did some analytics back in the day um, of Michael Jackson. Um, so, and they were analysing his energy expenditure per performance. And there was some data out there, again, you're going to have to check all of the stats on this, but it was like the equivalent of two and a half marathons per Michael Jackson concert, which I think was about three hours. Mm. And I mean, his dance moves were next level. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of movements. There's a lot of movements. But like, yeah, just to sort of back that up day after day after day. And, you know, it, I was just thinking the whole time, like the injury prevention, does she have a physio travelling with her? What's her Pilates like? Is she doing <laughs> Is a there train? a job opening for does me? Does <laughs> she do glute activation before she gets out there in her heels? Like hell, like she is a colossal force. Yeah, 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 seriously. Also, Michael Jackson did three-hour concerts. That's wild. Yeah, I remember I went to one. We got front-row tickets to a Michael Jackson concert. I kid you not, I was in grade five, I believe, and Dad was the medical um, physician for Michael when he came out here for his tour. And I think because he was the doc, we got some tickets somehow. Anyway, I don't actually remember, but I remember going to Target to buy a brand-new flannel shirt to wear as my outfit for that concert. Like it was like a special flannel. You chose that? I chose it. And okay. I, I, to this day, no feel judgment. like that was probably my favourite. This flannel shirt, I wore it everywhere, especially to that concert. Flannel shirt, pair of <laughs> jeans and a pair of runners. Grade five, front row to Michael Jackson. Knew all the lyrics because actually, this is a digress, but when I was a child, and you know when you've got your fontanelle, because you're still a baby, your skull hasn't fused yet, and you've got that little soft space in the top of your head. Okay. Is that what it is? Anyway, yeah. So my brother, who is eight years older than me, used to get his Walkman, and he would hover the Walkman, play it on loud above my fontanelle, Michael Jackson on repeat, so that my first words would be Michael Jackson song lyrics. I kid you not. Obviously, that's not the way it works. <laughs> Obviously, I'm kind of like, mum, did you not intervene? That was probably too loud. But she was also like, you guys were happy. It was fine. <laughs> you occupied. <laughs> occupied. You're not breaking anything. And so, yeah. So I guess I was brought up on those lyrics and the songs and et cetera, et cetera. So to be in the front row, I felt like it was like a childhood dream. And so, yeah, anyway, this flannel was part of that. And uh, That's very cool. That would have been cool. Yeah, so did you know all the words to all, all the words. Yeah, I knew wow. all, like I knew all the moves. Obviously I couldn't do any of the moves, not even and like even a third of what he could ever do. But I kind of knew the moves. We had a little space. We're on the grass, MCG again. Um and it's still well, this actually was burnt into my memory as opposed to the, the lyrics from The Walkman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's probably a better memory. Probably a better memory. Wow, yeah. that's wild. So I have a, like a huge appreciation for the dance performers and I do have a couple of physios that do go on tour with incredible bands and rock stars and that sort of thing. And they, they always live in LA. Like that's where they sort of base themselves. But just hearing the sort of treatment and the physio and the strength and condition that goes behind the scenes of what you would consider a very um, – art-based performance there's a lot of science to it there's a lot of physicality to it and there's a lot of just generic conditioning required yeah I bet and not only her but also like the backup dancers and stuff too oh my God, phenomenal just remind me of that that's literally my dream would be to be someone's backup dancer it'd be so great <laughs> you'd actually be an incredible backup dancer thank you I'm a really bad dancer but like I would do my best you would give it 3000% effort yeah I can picture it I can picture it right now. Actually. <laughs> oh, please don't. <laughs> it's not a good thing, but I would love the costumes. I'd love the costume changes and I, I love the yeah. organisation of it all. But, um, yeah, that's my, still my dream. There's still time. There is still time. <laughs> the, the day is young. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that being said, we'll keep those future goals for future goals. Thank you. Stick with the running for now, I do think. <laughs> and you will hear from us next time. Uh-huh. See you Thanks later. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.